I am excited that you're here. We're going to have a very unique few moments together. I don't know that we've ever done anything like this at Libby Christian Church, but we have a, a unique opportunity, and so I wanted to take advantage of it. Now, here's what I mean by that. For the past few days, a group of us have been up in Canada at a marriage retreat. My brother Rick and his wife were here speaking for that retreat. Rick is the leader of a counseling ministry just south of Wichita, Kansas, in a little community named Derby. He has developed and built that ministry into a juggernaut. It is really something quite effective, and it continues to grow. I love watching what's happening there, love talking with him about it. I'm proud of my brother for the things that he has done. But as a direct result of all of that, we have had some conversations about things that he has been studying things that he has been learning. And for the past couple of years, a lot of those conversations have fallen back to things that he has been exploring in the realm of the neurosciences, the way the mind works, and then the connection of those neurosciences, the way the mind works, to the way the heart works. We've been putting that together through a series of conversations in regards to how people come to know Christ. And it's been really an inspiring thing for me, enlightening for me to understand things differently than I ever have before. And so when he was going to be here over the weekend, I thought I would love nothing more than for our church to be involved in those conversations, to hear some of the things that we have been talking about. So different than the normal sermon this morning, Rick and I are going to have a conversation together on the stage. We want to invite you into that as if you were coming to our living room and sitting with us and participating in that conversation. Now, because there's so many people here, it's not really participatory. We're just going to invite you to listen as we talk about some of these things. I hope it will inspire you as well. If you're one of those individuals that wrestles with understanding the things of God and you know that there is a battle going on in your mind, Maybe, just maybe, today will help you understand why. So I'm going to invite Rick to come and join me on the stage. Now, we do look a lot alike. We hear that all the time. So we don't want you to get confused as we make our way through this. You might get lost a little bit thinking, now, was that Rick or was that Phil? So I want to give you some easy ways to remember the differences. Number one, I am younger. Number two, I am taller and bigger. Number three, I am ruggedly good-looking and... He's not. And so those will, just, those will just be some simple ways for you to tell the difference between us. So, Rick, have a seat. No rebuttal necessary. Let's just get started. Let's do. <laughs> One of the conversations that we had, oh, probably 18 months ago, was centered around this passage of Scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and listen to this, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now the Bible would tell us that God has reserved the deep things of heaven as a mystery. And that mystery is revealed through the help of the Holy Spirit. The Bible would go into a, a unique place when it says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive of those things. So I asked Rick in his study of the neurosciences to help explain why it is that God would place those things all around us and then seemingly put a veil over our eyes so that we can't conceive them. But there are explanations when the Holy Spirit gets involved about how that veil lifts and how our mind then begins to work. Rick, explain just a little bit of that if you would. Well, the beauty of it is we, at least in this room by and large, agree that God's a designer. Mm -hmm. And he's not a random designer, which is really good news. Mm -hmm. Because if God was us, we'd have some really bad days. And so God designed our minds and our brains and our hearts to all work in unison and then the damage of sin that Adam and Eve's original choice, we have been impacted by that. And it hinders our ability to know those deep things. But as the Spirit of God works in us and even as we try and understand the way God designed us, we can then look at truths, particularly out of texts like Romans 12, which says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And some of that happens in worship, but much of it also happens as we seek to understand what it means to know the heart and mind of a God that designed us very specifically, very on purpose. None of this is random. And when we heed what we're learning there, some pretty amazing things begin to happen. Mm -hmm. So some of those deep, mysterious things that the Bible would refer to would be things along the lines of love, mercy, forgiveness, grace, restoration of our lives, restoration of all creation. Yet the Bible says our mind can't conceive of that. Is that because of those choices that we have made, the fallenness that we live within? Well, certainly there's the aspect of we can't conceive because in part to conceive, we may be getting our own way and we think we ought to be able to understand all of it. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that many of us got in a vehicle this morning and maybe we understand the basic principles, but we don't need to understand all of the intricacies of that to know why our car starts when we turn the key or if you have those fancy cars, push the button, that sense, but we take advantage of it. Now, there's value at times in looking deeper into that. And particularly for me, the, the celebration is understanding that God did create this amazingly complex structure in our minds. And the more and more research reveals, we see how that's designed to work in tandem with the truths of God's word fueled by the spirit of God. And that's when true transformation begins to take place. And there's a freedom in that we don't have to live out of fear and ignorance or or just believe in random chance god is not a god of randomness which is really good news for all of us <laughs> yes it is in the gospel of luke there's this kind of cool little story about a lawyer of all people a lawyer that's trying to trap jesus and this is what the bible says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test jesus 
Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now the cool part of that story is this lawyer was trying to trap Jesus. Jesus sprung the trap on him and said, well, what do you read? How do you understand it? And he answered perfectly. So in essence, Jesus could look back at him and just kind of smile and say, you already figured it out. Isn't that cool? You were trying to spring this trap on me, but I just kind of flipped the nickel on you. But in his own answer, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. Mm. And Jesus says, yep, that's the way it works. Yet back in 1 Corinthians, we are taught that our mind can't conceive. So we have this bookend idea of how we're supposed to love the Lord our God with our heart and with our mind. And then we have our soul and our strength between the two. What is the connection between the heart and the mind that allows that to happen then so that we can truly love the Lord our God with all of our mind? Is the heart necessary for that to take place? Well, if it wasn't, God wouldn't have designed it that way. So aren't True. we glad God didn't leave something out? You've assembled a bookcase and come up with extra parts. And sometimes I think that's just cruelty on the behalf of the factory. They'll just throw a little extra in there. But sometimes it's because at least us fellows maybe didn't read the directions. Because who needs directions anyway? But the scriptures tell us, we all need directions, by the way. Second Corinthians 10.5, God says to take every thought captive to use this mind and this ability to reason and be logical and think through things. And the way God has done that is putting certain laws, not the way man's laws are, but the laws in place that allow us to function in the healthiest fashion. And one of those laws that we'll talk about, I want to read to you out of a a book written by Dr. Timothy Jennings. He's one of the leading neuroscientists in the field today, and he is a supreme pursuer of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so here's what he has to say about the realities that we can't fully discern, but we really need to understand as best we can. So he says, in this universe, we have a law ordained by God himself called the law of liberty. It is not a rule or a legislative enactment or an arbitrary command by a powerful potentate. Rather, it is a universal reality as with the law of gravity. Think for a moment about the law of gravity. You don't have to know about it for it to work. Nor do you have to believe in the law of gravity to feel its effects. In fact, you can even deny that gravity exists at all. But if you ride the elevator to the top of the Empire State Building, proclaim that no such thing as the law of gravity exists, and then jump off, you will quickly find yourself under the jurisdiction of a law whose reality you deny. Violating the law of gravity has accompanying consequences whether or not we anticipate them. The law of liberty works in a similar manner regardless of whether one believes in, acknowledges, or recognizes it, and violations of the law of liberty always result in damaging consequences in very predictable ways. And so in this arena of how do we apprehend the deeper truths of God, we have to understand that God created us and the world around us to work in very specific ways. Adam and Eve's choices damaged that, but in the here and now to figure out what that looks like. One, one example of a violation of the law of liberty 
is, gentlemen, if we were to have proposed to our wives and while she was thinking, because maybe she needed to think about it for a moment, and in that intervening moment, we were to put a gun to her head and say, you must say yes. Well, we've then violated the law of liberty, and she may give us the verbal response that we require out of fear, but it won't be a genuine response of the heart or the mind. It's a fear-driven choice or reality. And so then fear begins to define that relationship. And that's why we'll always have a job in the marriage business because fear shows up in all kinds of ways. And our minds get pretty overwhelmed by those things. So from the the psychology of this, the law of liberty rises out. The theological would refer to the law of liberty as free will. Absolutely. We have choices that we have to make. If we're going to look at what the lawyer declared in Luke chapter 10, is free will something that begins in our heart or our mind? Yes. Is it rational or is it emotional? Yes. That's what's so exciting about some of this new emerging research in the neuroscience world is no piece of that lives in isolation from one other. And I think too often in the the context of church and Christianity is we try and separate that. And we even hear that in our culture. Well, science and spirituality, they don't belong in the same place. Well, that would indicate that God didn't give us a mind and a heart. And so we get the opportunity to bring both of those to bear on that And science can observe the structures God put in place so that we can know and experience him and we can know and experience human relationship. So in some ways, what's being taught in the the modern science and the exploration of the brain is that faith is not blind. Oh, absolutely not. The, The sense that God wired us in certain ways, the laws of liberty, the laws of gravity, And so the law of love, how does that get expressed in a relational context, first with God and others? And when we receive God's love and we reciprocate it, that relationship grows. Mm -hmm. When fear enters into that, and the research is actually telling us, there's some amazing uh, brain scan research right now, that when we dwell on a God of wrath and a God of judgment, it damages the way our brains function. And it actually, in brain scans, the folks that believe and meditate on a God of fear and wrath, their brains get smaller. Function is hindered. But when we exercise our liberty to respond to God in love, our brains actually get healthier. So the, the real pragmatic of that is if we want to minimize the risk of brain dysfunction is believing in and meditating on, in God's ways, on a God of love actually brings brain health. And freedom. Thus unleashing those deep things of God. The mysterious things of God. And so our mind can begin to conceive of who the Lord is and certainly how much He loves us. Absolutely. So what's the neural path for that? We've we've laughed a lot about this because I get to use some big words. And, you know, if you spend a lot of money on an education, you want to use those big words. And Reader's Digest says it pays to enrich your word power. But this is, this is the design God Hold put in place. Hold on just one second. Did you just say Reader's Digest 
says it pays to enrich your brain. Yeah, it's in there. Did anybody read Reader's Digest back in? You know, I don't even know if it exists anymore. But my grandparents had Reader's Digest, and while Phil was being the better-looking brother, I was the more studious brother. Yeah, I just want to point out that he talks about his high-dollar education coming from Reader's Digest. Hey, nice. Any port in a storm. But to understand the way God created us to work helps us then move towards that. There's a statement on the screen by Dr. Timothy Jennings. He, again, is one of the leading neuroscience researchers, and he loves Jesus more than anything. And so the statement is, we have power over what we believe, but what we believe has power over us. And so the way God designed that to work, let let me read this and... um, You can feel like you learned a new word maybe today. Here's an example of how our brains are designed to work. Imagine walking in a meadow with your family, and the snow's melting here. You can imagine that. As you step forward in the grass, out of the corner of your eye, you see something that you perceive to be black and slithery by your feet. What happens? Your alarm system, which in brain structure is the amygdala, fires, directly releases adrenaline from your adrenal glands, calls you to attention. The alarm also calls your 911 operator, and when in our brain, the brain structure is that's called the hypothalamus, which immediately radios or sends hormonal signals via the pituitary glands for emergency responders. And this was your favorite word last night, glucocorticoids. Well, the adrenal glands dispatch these emergency responders, and in combination with adrenaline, your heart rate rises, blood pressure shoots up, Respiration increases, glucose is dumped into the bloodstream, blood is shunted away from your internal organs to your muscles. You're primed to run out of there as fast as you can in a classic fight-or-flight response. Then after all that happens, your brain has an administrator. It sits about here in your brain, and it's called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. So use that in a sentence today. It's the part of the brain right behind your forehead where you do your thinking and reasoning. Well, it turns on and says, hey, that's not a snake, it's a rubber hose. And then your brain begins to calm all of the rest of those circuits in your body. Your heart rate goes back down, your blood pressure goes down. God designed us to work in those ways. But if we continue to believe it was a snake, there's a few people in the room that go, cool, I'll pick it up. The rest of us normal people are running like our lives depended on it. And God designed that system to work. The danger is if we don't apprehend or understand the deeper things of God, that cycle just stays on continuously and we live in fear. But there's a place where that cycle is used to understand the deep things of God. Absolutely, to understand that God created all of that so that our mind gets activated in the appropriate way. When it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5 to take every thought captive... That's that spot to use reason and logic, that administrator in our brain that says, how do I understand this? What does it mean to me? And am I believing truth? We have power over what we believe, but what we believe has power over us. If we're believing lies, we will function out of lies. And then we believe in a God that's not the God of the Bible. He becomes a a distorted reality, and then we miss out on what he is actually offering to us. So is it safe to say that if we experience one of these events that becomes spiritual in nature, 
early on in life and we see God delivering us from it, our neural pathways are going to connect to God from a very early age. Absolutely. But if we experience one of these things that is spiritual in nature, but we reason or think our way away from God and convince ourselves that it is still a snake or whatever the case might be, it may take years and years and years to unpack that. Yeah, it changes the physical structure of the brain. Dr. Carolyn Leaf is another one of these folks that she gets out of bed in the morning thinking about neuroscience, which, by the way, I don't get out of bed thinking about it, but I'm very intrigued. Well, through the advent of neuron microscopes, they're now actually able to observe memory circuits in the brain and where there's hurtful or fear-driven memory experiences. She describes the neural circuits or the neurons there like branches on a tree and they shrivel and the leaves fall off. They can actually observe through the use of science, which God has given us as a tool, what happens when we believe fearful things and that circuit reinforces that again and again and again. Now, through the work of the redemption the Holy Spirit brings, those branches can come back to life. The trees are again healthy, but that has to flow out of the truth of God's word, not the faulty lies that we've chosen to believe. But the longer we believe those lies, the more significant the effort is required and the longer for there to be healing and wholeness. Okay, so Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God placed eternity in the hearts of all men. Mm. So he placed spiritual mechanisms within our heart and a neural pathway within our mind that leads to those things. Uh But there can be brokenness in the process. Oh, absolutely. There's so many ways. Think about relationships when someone has said something hurtful and we withdraw. Much the same process happens with God. If we believe Him to be a vengeful or wrathful God, we blame Him and then we vilify Him. He's the bad guy and it physically changes the structures of our brain. But as we come back and we experience the love of God, if we come back, we don't have to, but then we die. It's, it's, God is not punishing us, but free will. He says, if you choose to reject me, I will honor your choice. But then we live out of the uncertainty or the fear, or we have to create a chasm between heart and mind, which is what often is attempted to be done with our culture, and it leaves us as incomplete people. Mm-hmm. and that's where that ache is. We can go to the kitchen cabinet, and we're looking for something in there. What we're really looking for is God. God's not in a package of Oreos, although wouldn't that be great? Um, not really. But the lies that our culture, if we're not taking those thoughts captive, bringing them back against the truth of God, we live in a constant state of fear, and it's exhausting. Which would explain why, in Romans chapter 12, Paul would write, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord, because this is your spiritual act of worship. But then he goes on to say, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, laws of liberty, right? but be transformed by the renewing of your mind mm-hmm. so that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the laws of liberty, those are the laws of the world, Free will is the law of God, 
So we bring those all together and we can actually experience not just the releasing of our heart, but the renewal of our mind. And the freedom that goes along with it. And we'll live longer. We'll live a better quality of life. In this culture, I think we have a lot of fear, and potentially rightly so, of Alzheimer's and dementia and the things that live in that realm. Well, the emerging research, one of the questions they're trying to ask is can we predict the onset of Alzheimer's and dementia? Can we do things to avoid that? And what's so stunning about this, Dr. Jennings has a new book called The Aging Brain, is continuing to marinate our minds on the truths of God and Him as a God who loves us minimizes dramatically the risk of Alzheimer's dementia. Say that one more time. If we meditate and marinate our hearts and minds on the truths of God's Word, that He is a benevolent God that is for us and loves us, it minimizes, and you can go read the book, it minimizes the risk of Alzheimer's dementia-related disorders. The transforming of the mind. Absolutely. The renewing of the mind. Because I'm not, I love the medical community, but the medical community can't take us back to God's original design. But the transformation of our minds, marinating our minds on truths, means that instead of that amygdala continuing to fire fear, 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 which exhausts us, then we take truth and it brings peace, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And our mind is engaged in that process. God gave us a mind because He wants us to understand Him with reason and will and intellect as best we might this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. So one of the really cool things about that is the use of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely. And so we go back into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. None of that renewal or transformation is truly possible without the Holy Spirit. No. It cannot happen void of the Holy Spirit. But when you add the Holy Spirit to the equation, the transformation happens. The renewal happens. And now all of a sudden, the deep, mysteries of God begin to make sense and our brain enlarges and and gets healthier quality of life changes even to some extent the length of life changes absolutely and now there is science that is showing that you study on a regular basis Dr. Jennings but you also study Dr. Gottman Mm -hmm. what's the difference between the two Well, Dr. Jennings sees God as designer and everything he sees is through that lens of God put laws in place, not like man's laws, because we can change man's laws. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I could vote this morning, let's not like gravity. We're going to vote gravity out. Is that going to change? Not a chance. Which is really good news, because on a bad day, I'm taking gravity from everybody, um, or at least the people I don't like. But God's laws are immutable. They're not changeable. And the more we honor those, the freer we become. Well, Dr. Gottman sees everything through an academic, scientific lens. And he has a faith, but it's a Jewish faith. And so he doesn't always see God as a personal God. He sees God as distant. And, okay, there's some value to that. But Dr. Jennings is looking from a science perspective to be able to help those of us that wrestle and go, can I be a reasoning intellectual follower of Christ and more and more scientific evidence is emerging saying absolutely you can use your brain and worship a God of design and a God of love 
And then in that, there's other laws. The law of liberty is one we've talked about. The law of love, the law of sowing and reaping. If I sow fear, I'm going to reap fear. If I sow truth, which is in God's word and evident in my brain, then the reaping of that is peace. And a confident faith in God based upon truth, not just speculation. The law of exertion, it's use it or lose it. The more I do something, and even within the structures of the mind, memory circuits that are powerful are deeper ruts in our mind, in the physical structure of the brain. The more I walk that path, the the more confident I become in it. This is what inspires me the most out of all of this. It gives us understanding not only of the deep things of God, but of the process of understanding God that the lawyer in Luke 10 would actually talk about. We oftentimes as a church in modern Christianity want to talk about loving the Lord our God with all our heart. I just love Jesus with all my heart. But that is, that's terminology that is so hard for the non-Christian to embrace, for the person that is seeking knowledge of who God is. Love the Lord my God with all my heart. How do I do that? Well, Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't allow that lawyer to say, yeah, that's all that's necessary. Bring your heart into the relationship. The lawyer said, I also have to bring all of my soul, which is the eternal aspects of who I am, not just the temporal. And then I have to bring all of my strength, my body, my physical strength. And then I have to cap it all off with my mind. But Christianity, for the longest time, has tried to sever things right after the body because we weren't in a place where we could understand how the mind comes to bear on our understanding of God. And this new science, not new science, this understanding of God's design through the scientific is actually bringing the mind into the equation that it might be whole so that we could understand the deep, mysterious things of God. That's the cool thing. But this is what has intrigued me the most talking with Rick. And he already touched on it again, but I want him to do it one more time so that you're really capturing this. When that renewal happens, it is like the branches of a tree. Go back through that for us, regenerating. So Dr. Carolyn Leaf is this kind of crazy gal from South Africa, and she's kind of fun to listen to because she's got that cool accent. But she has this... uh, research. Again, I love the research because it's not my opinion. You're free to disagree with my opinion. I might suggest you're wrong, but it's still our opinions. And so when you can look through a neuron microscope and she can say, see right there in this patient's brain, those are hurtful, damaged memories. And you might go, well, how do you know? Well, through therapy, which goes along with this, and then the therapy of the Holy Spirit, truth coming to bear on the mind, they see those branches come back to life again. And biblical truth we know does what for us? It brings freedom. Jesus said in John 8, 32, I just see Jesus with this kind of funky grin all the time of, you know, 2,000 years ago going, he says this, you're not going to get it for a while, but hey, in 2017, 18, 19, there's going to be some research that you'll be able to see what that freedom looks like. So he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so the freedom of a mind then restored to wholeness and to health and to right functioning. I've had a few cars that in an eight cylinder engine, they're running on six cylinders and you can get there, but it's not fun. 
And sometimes our brains run on six out of eight cylinders because of trauma and damage. But then the truth of God comes in there that God has designed the world to work in certain ways. And when we live within those parameters and the truths of them, my amygdala quits telling me to be on guard all the time. My heart rate goes down. The inflammation in my body goes down and I live longer. My brain is less at risk when I'm living in the freedom that Christ offers to me, my mind can understand that, my heart can celebrate it, and my will can pursue it. Mm-hmm. Crazy the way it works. Yet the Bible would say, if we want to experience real spiritual worship, it will require the transforming of our mind, and that will take us into the most practical place people live in their walk with Christ. How do I know what God's will is for my life? When I have been set free, it will become clear. Because the Bible is very pointed that until our mind is transformed and renewed, we are not going to have a clear understanding of God's will for our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. But in all of this, when we bring our mind and our heart together and our soul and our body are caught between the two, there is a transformation of freedom. Pretty cool science. Pretty cool when you see the way it all works. Mm. And the renewal of that is amazing. And it has application for at least two different groups of people as we have talked about this. The first is the one that is in pursuit of a relationship with God. And the second group of people are those that have relationship with God, but they're still pursuing total truth. So how does it apply to both? Well, maybe you find yourself here this morning and it's, hey, I'm not sure I buy the whole God thing. I'm not sure that I really can understand, and we can't ever fully understand, but we can have understanding that God is a God of order and a God of structure What does that mean when I'm trying to figure out how my life is ordered and what my priorities and values are and what happens after we die? You know, is there an eternity? Well, the more I can observe about the nature and the character of God from his word, the more I see that in the structure of my mind and my body and my spirit, the greater confidence I can have in placing my hope in him. Mm -hmm. Now, hope is a funny thing because as Americans, we hope and we will hope we'll win the lottery. We hope it'll be sunny. We hope our vacation is awesome. Well, we do live in a fallen world. And so there's times when those don't work the way we want them to. But God is always consistent and his nature is always consistent. And the value of this scientific observation is it's the same day after day after day. The scientific method requires repeatable results. Well, neuroscience, you can look at it again and again and again. And what's phenomenal about this is you can talk about Dr. Jennings and Dr. Leaf. They love Jesus and you go, well, they're just bending the research. Well, Dr. Newberg at the University of Pennsylvania, as best I understand from his writing, does not espouse a faith of his own. But he did this uh, 10-year-long research project. Think about a God of wrath. Think about a God of peace. And what he found is that brains grew bigger and stronger and healthier for people that dwelt on a God of peace. And the people that dwelt on a God of wrath, their brains got smaller. This is a secular scientist. I know it's got to be just kicking him in the teeth because it's not what he wanted to find. 
He wanted to find that this whole God construct means nothing. And so it may be this morning that you're uncertain and you lack confidence. Well, there's every bit of evidence in the truth of God's word laid alongside the emerging scientific evidence that it's rational and reasonable and logical to believe in a God that loves us endlessly. And then maybe you're in the room going, gosh, I've, I've pursued this God thing for a while, but I'll do well for a period of time, and then something derails me. Or maybe Phil and I have talked a lot about this, you know, in years of church camp and those kinds of things. You know, every year at church camp, I go forward and rededicate my life because I've fallen into some repetitive sin over and over again. Well, as I then understand, if I take every thought captive and I do that moment by moment, by moment, my mind is renewed. My heart and strength then become dependent upon God. And there's victory I've not ever experienced before because I've simply tried to gut it out. Or I've only lived out of my heart and my heart is fickle. I can have good days, I can have bad days. But when all of those things are online and functioning the way God designed them, then the natural result is peace and freedom and a confident hope in the truth of God's word. Because I've been able to test and approve what God's pure, holy, pleasing, perfect will is. Not only for me, but for everybody. Absolutely. And truth sets us free. And the heart and the mind work together. It's pretty cool. Rick and I can keep this conversation going for literally hours. Ask our wives. We have two ladies on the front row right now that are doing this. I'm not kidding. They're doing this. Which means land your plane. And so we we need to do that. Uh, But we do appreciate you entering into the conversation with us. It has been our prayer that some part of this discussion would resonate within your heart and your mind, particularly for those of you that have struggled with an intellectual understanding of God or an intellectual freedom from your past. God, the master designer, designed our brains to do both for us. And so it has been our prayer that that has been the case. If it has, if you would like to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus, we want to do that today. You know how this works. If you've worshipped with us for a while, just respond to the invitation and go over and tell Deanie that you want to talk more about this. But if you have recognized that maybe there is some trauma in your past that is keeping your mind and your heart distant from one another, that there is a chasm there, and you would like to know more about how to close that up, how to allow your mind to regenerate and renew, then certainly we want to talk with you about that as well. In fact, Rick will be available. If you want to talk with him in the prayer room, he would be happy to be able to do that. But right now, why don't you just stand with us and we're going to pray and then offer this invitation. Father in heaven, it is quite intriguing when we see the ways that you design us. Whether that is our heart and we find needs there, or whether it's our mind and we find needs there. But when we find those things, whether it's in the heart or in the mind, and even in our soul, that's where the grand need is. We know that you have designed a path through it. So I pray, Father, that you'll help us connect all those things. Grateful for your master design. Lord, that allows us to know that we are who you want us to be. We just need to find your will for our life and move into it. You've given us a way to do it. Help us see it. In Jesus' name, amen.